Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Monday, March 22nd. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. Despite the ongoing pandemic, shocking scenes of spring break mayhem, Miami Beach officials declaring a state of emergency as the United States sees a new rise in coronavirus cases and hospitalizations. Good news on the vaccine front as new data shows promise in the AstraZeneca vaccine that shot 100% effective at eliminating severe cases and death from COVID-19. And all eyes on the border as the Biden administration takes tough new measures to crack down on an influx of migrants looking to cross into the United States. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. There are growing concerns about a new surge of the coronavirus. As more Americans are traveling again, the TSA says on Friday alone, nearly a million and a half travelers pass through U.S. airports. Vaccinations are picking up across the country, but experts say it's a race against new infections. Vaccinations are increasing and new COVID cases are dropping in a vast majority of the country. But if you take a closer look, a third of all states are still seeing an average of at least 10% increase in new infections as spring break kicks off and air travel picks up. In Miami Beach, Florida, massive unruly spring break crowds fill the streets. No social distancing and pretty much no masks. Miami Beach leaders declaring a state of emergency and street closures and curfews until April 12. Trouble even sleeping at night, worrying about what's going to happen in the city. Over the past week, Florida has seen an average of about 4,500 cases per day. The Sunshine State also leads the nation with the most cases of the highly contagious UK and Brazilian variants. And last week, Miami saw the highest coronavirus positivity rate. What we're going to see is people get infected, pick up the infection from each other, and then spread it across the country and, and possibly around the world. Nationwide, 15 states seeing a surge in coronavirus cases in Michigan, a 92 percent spike in the last two weeks. We are going in the wrong direction with the key metrics that we are tracking for COVID-19. And the country reporting an average of about 55,000 new cases every day. This happening as COVID-19 vaccine manufacturers ramp up production. The CDC reporting that the U.S. is averaging roughly 2.4 million daily doses, about 13 percent of the population now vaccinated. Take care of my 98-year-old blind grandfather, so it's kind of important to get vaccinated as Meanwhile, the AstraZeneca vaccine was found to be 79% effective in U.S. trials, with no increased risk of blood clots. Although AstraZeneca's vaccine has been authorized in more than 50 countries, it has not yet been given the green light in the U.S. The manufacturer applying for FDA emergency use authorization in early April. The welcoming news comes as officials give a new warning. A mutation of the virus in New York City could reinfect people already vaccinated. Overall, the number of new COVID-19 infections in the country is plateauing, but that's what worries many health experts. Dr. Anthony Fauci says that normally when you have a plateau like this, that's usually the forerunner of another surge, which is what we are now seeing in the European Union. 
And for more on this, let's go to Dr. Dara Kaz. She's an ER physician at Columbia University Medical Center and a Yahoo News medical contributor. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Kaz. No, thanks for having me. So clinical trials show that the AstraZeneca vaccine is 79% effective in preventing symptomatic illness and 100% effective at preventing severe disease and hospitalization. Can you break that down for us? So it's consistent with our other vaccines, which is remarkable and very exciting. In fact, we will have an abundance of vaccine available here in the United States that are all safe, effective, and 100% effective at preventing severe disease, hospitalization, and death from this virus. Basically, decreasing the severity of this virus, even if it does infect somebody who's vaccinated, to really be much more like a common cold, which is something that we can handle uh, as a community. So this is really very encouraging. There were no severe side effects in anybody that got this vaccine, certainly not any of the neurological side effects or the blood clots that we were worried about. So this is super encouraging and actually may help us as a country be a leader in world vaccinations because we'll have so much vaccine available. Dr. Cass, a public confidence with the AstraZeneca vaccine was dented after more than a dozen European countries paused their rollout of this vaccine. How can we get people here in the U.S. to trust this particular shot? So that's actually the really important part about our FDA giving an emergency use authorization to this particular vaccine, even if we don't need it here in the United States. It means that our standards, which have been extraordinary and met by the Pfizer, Moderna and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, when the AstraZeneca hopefully receives this emergency use authorization, it will put that stamp of American confidence on this vaccine as well. So if we can use it here in the United States, great. But if we don't even need it because we have so much capacity, we can now help encourage others around the world to use this vaccine and really help reinforce that it is safe and effective and that we here would give it in the United States. Now, cases are rising in over a dozen states, but at the same time, we are seeing an increase in vaccination rates. 25% of the country is partially vaccinated, for example. Can we prevent another wave if we continue the same pace of vaccinations? You know, we are hearing a lot of talk about a possible fourth surge. So we will not prevent another wave just with vaccinations alone. It's critically important that we continue to vaccinate at the rate we're at, which is incredible. We're at 3 million vaccinations per day, which is triple what the goal was of 1 million a day in President Biden's first 100 days. But the other part is that we have to continue our vigilance in public health, which means mask wearing, staying distance, and being really careful if you yourself are not vaccinated. And obviously that's going to include children who will not be vaccinated in the near term because none of these vaccines are approved for them. So in order to prevent that next wave, it's going to be both vaccinations and the public health measures that have worked for everyone in the past. Now, as we just saw, as we just reported, those shocking images of spring break in Miami, thousands of people partying with no masks on. How concerning is this? So that's extraordinarily concerning, especially since I would imagine a large majority of those spring breakers are themselves not vaccinated. They will come down to Florida where there is an incredibly high positive test rate comparative to the rest of the country with a vulnerable population that may not actually be vaccinated. But now we're also talking about they come for spring break, they may get the virus, and now they're going to go and spread it back to their communities, again, amongst unvaccinated and potentially vulnerable people. So it's the reason why Miami is really clamped down and said we're going to have to put on a curfew, we're going to have to decrease, you know, any transmission at the bars, we're going to have to be better 
at preventing the spread because unfortunately the people that are in Miami right now are not behaving in a way that will stop the spread of this virus. What are the main recommendations for people who are already vaccinated? Should they continue to wear masks? Yes. So people that are not that are already vaccinated should continue to wear masks, especially in public places, mostly because we want to encourage public mask wearing for everybody. And we also don't really know a lot about these, you know, maybe these new variants, maybe there's some break in the in the protection. But most, most, most importantly, if you are vaccinated, you do have permission from the CDC to gather with other vaccinated people indoors to maybe have a meal or a drink and have some socialization. And we're going to see uh, an advancement of vaccine verification at businesses, probably to stadiums or even other restaurants, which will help them keep their populations safe. It won't be mandatory, but it will be encouraged. And more importantly, it will prevent people from needing that PCR to be cleared to join maybe a stadium or a sporting event uh, while they're trying to enjoy the time that they have after being vaccinated. Well, the main takeaway, continue to mask up. Thanks so much, Dr. Dara Kass, ER physician in New York City and Yahoo News medical contributor. Thanks so much for your time. In other top stories we're following, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin made an unannounced visit to Afghanistan on Sunday with the possibility of extending the U.S. presence there. While the Trump administration reached a deal with the Taliban to pull out by May 1st, Austin is concerned about the current level of violence there. Sunday, Austin met with Afghanistan President Ashraf Ghani and other officials, including General Scott Miller, who heads the U.S. and United Nations forces there. The Biden administration is said to be considering a six-month extension for American troops in Afghanistan as the deadline approaches. The defense secretary says it's a rigorous process to make decisions about removing troops and destroying equipment that could fall into the hands of the Taliban. Back on Capitol Hill, the House Committee on Oversight and Reform will hold a hearing Monday on H.R. 51, the bill that would make Washington, D.C. the 51st state. Advocates for statehood say the District of Columbia pays more in federal taxes than 21 states and more per capita than any state despite its lack of representation in politics. The bill has over 220 House and 40 Senate co-sponsors in Congress. Nearly 20 former Democratic presidential candidates and leaders have endorsed passing D.C. statehood, including President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. And just outside the Capitol, fencing that was put up following the January 6th insurrection started coming down this weekend. For the first time in nearly three months, joggers, bicyclists and tourists are once again able to make use of some of the green space in front of the iconic building. A memo sent to Capitol staff says the changes are being made because there is no longer a credible threat against Congress. Meanwhile, congressional leaders are currently discussing a new $2 billion plan to improve security around the structure. And evidence the government obtained in the investigation into the January 6th insurrection most likely meets the bar necessary to charge some of the suspects with sedition. And that's according to Michael R. Sherwin, the federal prosecutor who had been leading the Justice Department's inquiry. The department has rarely brought charges of sedition, the crime of conspiring to overthrow the government. 
And now to the latest on the controversy surrounding New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, a new woman coming forward to accuse him of sexual harassment. Alyssa McGrath tells the New York Times he looked down her shirt and stared at her body during a one-on-one -on -one meeting. She says he commented on her appearance inappropriately and referred to her colleague and her as mingle mamas. Cuomo's attorney tells the Times he's just old-fashioned and greets men and women with kisses on the cheek. McGrath's story is similar to that of Cuomo's other accusers. And Republican Congressman Tom Reed of New York is apologizing for sexual misconduct allegations made against him while saying he won't run for re-election. After initially denying that he made inappropriate advances to a former lobbyist, the New York representative is now taking full responsibility. According to the Washington Post, Nicolette Davis alleges Reed made a drunken, unwanted pass at her in a bar, including unhooking her bra. The 49-year-old congressman says at the time of the 2017 incident, he was suffering from alcoholism. Prior to this incident, Reed was considered a possible Republican candidate to run against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Now he is apologizing to Ms. Davis, as well as his wife and kids, and says he will not seek public office again in 2022. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The effects of COVID-19 will be felt for decades to come. Both parties are very far apart. Approximately 250,000 people have lost their lives. You news covers the news of your world. It makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. More than 5,000 unaccompanied migrant children are now in Customs and Border Patrol custody. That number is up from 4,500 just days ago. Of those, more than 600 unaccompanied minors have been in custody for 10 days or perhaps even more. The growing number of migrant children at the border is overwhelming resources already strained by the pandemic. In response, HHS is opening a new temporary influx care facility in Texas that will soon be able to assist with the ongoing influx of children crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. HHS says the property can initially accommodate 500 children but has the potential to expand to hold 2,000. And now to that situation at the border, a record number of unaccompanied minors now in the custody of the U.S. Border Patrol and the administration struggling to deal with the biggest influx of migrants in 20 years. Edwin Piti has the latest from Washington, D.C. Edwin. Andrea, that's right. I can tell you that after weeks of not having a clear picture of the situation inside some of the detention centers between the U.S. and Mexico border, Democratic Representative Henry Cuellar released photos he obtained over the weekend of an overflow facility in Donna, Texas, revealing crowded makeshift conditions not previously seen before. During an interview with Univision this morning, Cuellar said that Border Patrol should not be taking care of children, but also understands that HHS facilities are at full capacity. 
The Texas congressman added that he's concerned about the messages migrants in Central American countries are receiving from family members and organized criminal groups encouraging them to come to the U.S. Humanitarian organizations working in the southern border are outraged at the conditions inside the facilities and that even though Border Patrol agents are doing the best they can under the circumstances, they are not equipped to take care of the kids and need the immediate help from the administration. Meanwhile, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas spent most of the weekend on Sunday political shows defending the Biden administration and his strategy, highlighting their humane approach when it comes to dealing with the situation at the border. Let's listen. Let me just say that we have a number of work streams uh, in place. As I mentioned, we are dealing with the needs of the children now. Um, we are rebuilding orderly ways in which the children can make their claims without having to take the perilous journey to the border. And we are uh, elevating our messaging uh, so that the uh, individuals do know that they cannot come to the border. The border is closed. Meanwhile, President Biden told reporters that a lot more could be done about immigration and that, and I quote, at some point he would travel to the border, but the White House has yet to announce when that trip would take place. But the attacks and criticism of the way Biden is handling the situation continues. Former President Donald Trump issued a statement over the weekend saying that Biden turned a national triumph into a national disaster and called on Biden to reinstate the building of the wall. Live in Washington, D.C. Back to you, Andrea. Thank you, Edwin, for bringing us all those reactions from Washington, D.C. And to discuss the situation at the border, let's go to Sarah Pierce. She's a policy analyst at the Migration Policy Institute. Sarah, thank you so much for being with us today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Roughly 15,000 children are currently in government custody. How unprecedented is this number compared to previous years? It's a significant high, especially for this time of year, but we have yet to reach the record levels that we saw in 2019 and in 2014. So this is no doubt a, a significant challenge for the government. I think it's within their capacity to handle this. They've had a few setbacks, including that the prior administration, rather than prepare for this you know, very predictable rise in migration, actually restricted capacity. They got rid of beds that could have housed children. Um, so this is no doubt a significant challenge, but it's not yet a unprecedented crisis that we definitely could be headed in that direction. Minors are spending more time than legally allowed at Border Patrol facilities. What are some reasons behind this? So during the Trump administration, they decided to restrict the number of beds available to house unaccompanied child migrants by 40%. This was a very understandable pandemic precaution. Unfortunately, the new administration waited until March 5th to start to bring those beds back online. So that was you know, nearly 5,000 beds that they're slowly bringing back online while also seeking out um, influx facilities to hold the beds. And this is all under the, the responsibility of the Department of Health and Human Services, which is really the proper department to be housing these children. And because the Health and Human Services is working, you know, very quickly, as quickly as they can, but, but not fast enough to ha increase their capacity to house these children, the children are, are stuck waiting in CBP facilities until those beds are available. 
Democratic Representative Henry Cuellar released photos of inside a holding facility in Donna, Texas, showing previously unseen conditions. What stands out for you in these photos? Just absolutely how crowded they are. I mean, we've known for a long time that CBP facilities are insufficient to hold children. We saw, you know, really horrible pictures and stories of conditions in 2019 and in 2014. This is a repeated problem. Clearly, there needs to be an overhaul of CBP facilities so they are sufficient to hold vulnerable populations for a temporary amount of time. But we also need to increase the capacity of the Department of Health and Human Services so they can uh, expand their capacity when needed when these flows increase. Now, we've been hearing a lot of this recently. Republican lawmakers criticizing the Biden administration for their handling of the influx of migrants at the border and for creating policies enticing migrants to come. What is your take on this? Sorry, it cut out there, but I, I mean, I think that there is, there's no doubt a, a responsibility on the part of the Biden administration that, that they were perceived to be more generous than the Trump administration on immigration, and that certainly incentivized migration to the southern border. But there's a lot else going on, too. Many of these children were expelled and pushed back to Mexico under the Trump administration, and we're likely waiting for a change of administrations to try to come into the country. Um, there's also a lot of push, push factors that have uh, only, re only really recently developed in Central America, including uh, an economic fallout from the pandemic and the two recent hurricanes. So there's a lot going on. There's certainly responsibility on the part of the Biden administration, but I do think it's very apparent that the Biden administration is working as quickly as possible to resolve these issues. Thank you, Sarah Pierce of the Migration Policy Institute. We will continue to monitor this situation. Take care. Thank you for having me, Andrea. And despite the Biden administration telling migrants not to come to the United States through Mexico, the flow of Central American migration has increased. The route presents dangers, but there is one stop along the way that has become a sanctuary for many migrants. Paulina Gomez takes us to that location. Among the car engine grease and car parts, groups of migrants have found a refuge in this car shop turned shelter a few blocks away from the train that brings migrants from the south to Metepec in the state of Mexico. It's like an oasis on the way to the U.S. Arrive, rest here, eat, have breakfast, take a shower, clean yourself and sleep. Gina, a Honduran national, is seven months pregnant, which presents serious risks given the dangers she encountered on the road to Mexico last January. Now, at Armando's sanctuary, she's finally enjoying some tranquility. Don Armando, Don Armando gives you refuge and he doesn't say, you have to live in two days and you are on your own. He doesn't. He says, stay here, get your legal papers straight. Nowadays, Metepec is a mandatory pit stop on the new route north because here migrants are safer from criminal elements. I opened this place because migrants were in so much need. They used to sleep on the streets, on their bridges, under the trains. Every year, more than 3,000 migrants arrive at the Metepec shelter. Most of them are young people, children, women and families. Thanks to community donations and this car shop, the migrant shelter has remained open.
Don Armando combines his two passions in this car shop, car repairs and altruism. Migrants feel at home. It's not a pretty place, but they feel fine. Given the dangers on the road, most of the 60 migrants at the shelter gave up on going to the U.S. and are instead focusing on a new dream, the Mexican one. If I managed to get my documents straight here, I'd look for a better job alternative so I can help my family. They all are waiting for a humanitarian visa that will allow them to legally stay in Mexico, but the process is currently suspended. Paulina Gomez Bulshiner in Metepec, Mexico, U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.